Hello, hello, everyone. I'm so excited for you all to be here. Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of the Well Projects A Girl Like Me Live, which is an interactive live streaming series advancing health and wellness discussions and education among women living with and vulnerable to HIV. Monthly, ICC will sit down with different co-hosts to chat about key topics in our communities. In today's episode, I'm sitting talking to Michelle and Raven Lopez, Karen and Lynette Trowick, and my own mother, Carol, as we discuss motherhood and HIV diagnosis. You know that in the month of May, we celebrate Mother's Day, but this is something that we do daily. So I'm so grateful for you all to be with us. I'm going to start with Raven since you're next to me. Could you just introduce yourself? Um, who are you? Hello, everyone, and Cece, thank you for once again. My name is Raven Lopez. I'm going to be 32 next month. Um, I am a mom. I am a mom of a six-year-old boy. Um, I was born HIV positive um, at the age of six years old. That's when I, like, you know, got my diagnosis of fully understanding what HIV was. And my mom would tell you, you know, her story of, you know, her disclosing to me. But, you know, me finding out that I was HIV positive didn't stop me. Like, it made me, like, a curious kid to jump up and get to know, want to get to know more. And during out the interview, you guys would get to know more. And I just hope that, you know, you guys get to learn something out of this. And I'm really happy to be on this panel today. Oh. So then it's only right that we go over to Michelle. Hello and good afternoon to each and everyone that's here with us. Um, as Stacey said, my name is Michelle Lopez. My pronouns are she and her. Um, presently, I'm 55. I'm the mom of the wonderful young lady that just spoke to everyone there, uh, Raven Lopez. Um, I work as a navigator for a wonderful initiative here in New York at uh, SUNY Downstate Hospital. It's called the Be Into Health initiative and what that is um it's, it's a whole nuance and it's part of my celebration because i get the opportunity to help individuals like myself 50 and over aging with hiv and we are creating new standards of care for individuals aging with hiv and i'll speak more in depth because i'm a storyteller so <laughs> i'm going to be mindful of everyone else that's here thank you <laughs> and I love your stories. I wish I could adopt some of the accent y'all got up there. Okay, mm -hmm. we're just going down around doing intros. So, Lynette, if you could introduce yourself. Yes. Hi, I'm Lynette Trowick. And um, I don't know exactly what you wanted in the intro, but I'm the founder of IMU Inc., which serves women who are living with HIV, um, mainly between the ages of 25 and 45 years old. Uh, we are also beginning programming for high school students, um, just attacking prevention from a very unique perspective. Um, so, yeah, that's a little about me. Of course, you'll hear more a little later on. All right, Karen. Hi, everyone. My name is Karen Trowick. I am Lynette Trowick's uh, mother-in-love. Um, beautiful, beautiful young woman. And I was so blessed to have had my son um, introduced her to me years ago. That was before they were married. So um, I'm blessed to, to be in her presence and for you guys to have invited me. And we're all open books because um, that's the way Lynette made me. So um, wh whatever, I'm, I'm here for everyone. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right, I'm gonna act like I don't know where Carol, who, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. Good afternoon. I am Carol Coleman. I am the mother of Sierra C.C. Coleman. Sierra, I have three children, and Sierra is my first child. She is my heart. She is my soul, and she is an inspiration to myself and the family. Sierra was diagnosed, um, she says 20, but I, I believe it was 19. Anyway, she was diagnosed, and and the family was diagnosed, you understand? And we 
just surrounded her with love and support. We never ostracized her. We never pushed her away because she is a beautiful young lady. Yes, and she, and she she took advantage of that diagnosis. And she's just a lovely person. She's a lovely person. Well, thank you. can say, excuse me, Sierra's HIV didn't have her. She has it. Yeah. Thank you. And mom, um, we're not going to do this. I was diagnosed when I was 20. It was 2008, the year. It was June. So, <laughs> but I absolutely love what you said. Like, that's the reason why an episode like this is so important. When I was diagnosed, it wasn't just me that was diagnosed at this time. And, you know, Michelle, she, a woman living with HIV and then gave birth to a child who's also living with HIV. Or, you know, situations that you may not think of in a moment. Lynette's diagnosed and she's one day going to have to disclose to her future husband. And then, you know, now this diagnosis has an impact on, you know, someone like Cameron, the mother in love, which I love that y'all refer to each other in those terms. Um, HIV definitely does impact more than just a person who has been diagnosed. So, um, Michelle, I would like to talk to you all first. So, what did it feel like knowing that you had transmitted the virus to your daughter, and how has it impacted y'all's relationship? Okay. Has it? Wow. First, I got to say, I was 24 when I got this diagnosis. The other thing about me, and, you know, I'll be remiss if I don't say that, you know, I am an immigrant. I'm, I'm, I still do not have my citizenship. I'm an immigrant from the wonderful island of Trinidad and Tobago via Venezuela. Mm -hmm. My dad is Venezuelan, so I got some of that Hispanic culture and that muy caliente. That's what I say. <laughs> they got me hot. But here I am, 24, in New York. And all I knew about HIV or AIDS, well, you know, back then it was AIDS, AIDS, everybody's just talking about AIDS. I just knew all my gay male friends were coming down with this disease. Back in Trinidad when I was uh, 13, my cousin died and he died from this disease that he got in America while he was living and um, that disease caused him you know, to die. So it was never explained. So my allotment with HIV and AIDS was gay men. So here I am at 24. And the reason why I actually um, got tested, got diagnosed, I was living in a horrible domestic violence situation, severely being battered. And at the time, Raven was um, nine months old. And this particular night, it was one of the worst beating I had gotten from this man, but it was the best because here I am today. I wrapped Raven in a blanket because I remember picking something up, hitting him in the head, and I just ran and grabbed her, wrapped in a blanket, got to the train station, and just started riding the train. My spirituality means a lot and something that I hold on to to this day. When I got on that train, you know, people is looking at you. You know, I had some blood running down my face. And I remember this one lady, you know, she's like, oh, miss, what's going on? You know, and, you know, so I semi cleaned up and I kept switching trains. But while I'm switching trains, I'm praying. And I eventually got to a train because my journey started from Queens, New York. That's where I was living with that person. And my journey got me with a train. I eventually got into Brooklyn and I would never forget it. I was on the number two train, switched on that train. And while I'm sitting there with this baby in this blanket, I'm crying, I'm praying. And I looked up and I saw an ad and the ad spoke to me. The ad seriously says, if you are a woman and you're experiencing domestic violence, substance use, if you're an undocumented immigrant, I was like, oh my God, call this number and we can help you. What did I do? I got off the train. And when I got off the train, I was literally at the corner. Of, it's relevant for me to tell you guys this. 
I got off at the corner of, it was Flatbush Avenue and Nevin Street. And I called the number. And to this day, I always thank that organization because it wasn't a voicemail. A real voice answered the phone and I broke down. And I just started crying. And it was a nurse. She told me her name was Lily Chen. And I just started telling her the things that's been going on with me, me being an immigrant. And she said, calm down, calm down, because I was just all over the place. And then she said to me, Miss, where are you right now? We can help you. And I said to her, I said, I'm in Brooklyn and I'm standing at the corner of Flatbush Avenue and Nevin Street. And I just heard the person gasp. She was like, <gasps> you know, and I said, oh my God, yes. I said, you know, did I say something wrong? I'm sorry. And she said, no. She said, you are three minutes away from where I'm at. She said, I want you to turn and face east. And I want you to walk in. She said, it's going to be five blocks. She said, but when you walk to that five blocks, you're going to come to a medical center and it's going to say CFPC. That's where I'm at. And I got down there. And when I got there, a group of people was waiting to greet me. That same day was when, after the information I shared with them, I was offered, we can give you a full physical because this was a local federally qualified health center. And they had recently gotten funded to do an initiative to get women tested, to get women into care, but they were looking for, again, the marginalized woman. And here I am, here I was. Walked in there, got tested. I even, um, because of the physical I was given, I had to be treated for gonorrhea. The man, my batterer, had infected me with gonorrhea, and I didn't even know, and I was treated for it. But me and this child, we both got tested, and what was told to me, they're going to do a special test on her, which was a PCR test, because back in those days, this was, you know, 90, early 91 late 90s you know early 91 in fact i'm sorry and we had to wait two weeks so we were placed in a homeless shelter we were placed in a homeless shelter um that night after the whole physical and everything that was done because i literally spent all day at that facility and two weeks being placed in that shelter that's when you got your results we didn't have the rapid test it came back to me that both myself and the baby and my daughter were HIV positive. And I have to say, at 24, a young black woman, I didn't get the memo. I didn't have the memo. I didn't have the directive. How do you raise a child born with HIV? This was foreign to me. So stay tuned for the rest. Um, I hope I gave you enough there that we can proceed. Now, it makes me want to finish reading the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I know, you know, I know most of the people on this call, there were so many things that you mentioned in your own story that kind of overlap, you know, with the stories of others. I know that Lynette has experienced some domestic violence. My mom, I've witnessed it myself experience that and uh, you know that saying that my therapist said this time how hiv is often a symptom of what is going on like it's at the tip of the iceberg but there are so many other factors at the beginning or at the bottom that lead us there and i'm, I'm recognizing so much of that here so then michelle we get to raven raven do you remember the moment when you found out that you was living with hiv Yes, I definitely do. Um, I was six years old. I was at a doctor's appointment. And um, that morning, I remember my mom dressed me up real cute. Like, I remember. And um, we went to the doctor, Bronx Lebanon Hospital. And you know how they have, like, a playroom when you went with your kid? You're waiting for the doctor to let your kids play, like, in a play area. So we're sitting in the play area, and I see the nurse, and I see the doctor. They walk past the room, and they tell my mom to come, but they told me to wait. So I'm like, okay. I, I wait in, I wait in the, the, the playroom. So I guess I'm, now that I'm older, I'm saying, I'm, I'm playing out the story. I said, maybe they probably preparing my mom for her to tell me. So she sat, she sits in the, the, the doctor's office. So they call me. They're like, Raven. So while I'm walking, I start seeing my mom. I see my mom crying. So I'm like, 
mommy, I didn't steal any toys. Like, I, I didn't take any toys from the playroom. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't know what I did because I see my mom crying. I didn't know if she got in trouble because, you know, I, they all I seen was that they took my mom out the room and now I'm walking and she's crying. So I didn't understand. So I'm like, mommy, I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't know what I did. She said, no, baby, come sit down. And she sat me down and she's like, you know, I have, mommy has something to tell you. And, you know, the doctor was like, you know, Michelle, but I just see my mom just crying, just crying. I'm like, mommy, what's the matter? Like, I don't, what's the matter? And she just turned to me and she said, baby, you was born with HIV. So I was like, so I did the puzzle face and I said, okay. I said, but you know, at that time, I remember that's when like they were showing in BT when the, when like a lot of kids from Africa was dying from HIV and AIDS. And that was my, that was the first question I asked my mom. I said, mommy, are we going to die? Because that's all I remember. I said, I, I remember HIV, but on that's the time when BET was showing all the little kids dying from AIDS and HIV. So that was my biggest fear of me asking, like, I'm not going to die. So here, I'm six years old. I understood what HIV was, but I didn't understand it. So when my doctor, he's explaining to me, he said, you do understand why you take so much medicine and... That's when I said, okay, mom, I want to learn more about who I am. And that was it. Like, I just went back to the age of six, and that was 1996. Oh, wow. Like, I'm just a crybaby anyway, so excuse me. I think I'm going to do a lot of that here. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I'm going to progress over to mommy, because I can see where you all are also learning about HIV at the same time. And that's what happened to me and my mom because you know with me being 20 Mm -hmm. and hiv i never like it was never on my radar i don't Mm -hmm. know why but i just wasn't going to be the person to get hiv the messaging i had received was like i wasn't in those populations of people so maybe i would have to worry about something different maybe like you know chlamydia or gonorrhea or syphilis but not hiv so when i got caught back it was Sometime at the beginning of June, they called me on a Wednesday. They said, we need you to come back into the clinic. Me and mommy was both in the bed taking a nap because I was about to go to work. Like, that's how close me and my mom are. We were in the bed taking a nap. And, you know, she tried to um, calm me down before I went. She's like, you know, maybe you have a little bacteria or maybe, you know, it's something, something that definitely not HIV. So when I got back after getting my diagnosis in that room, um, I cried and I just remember saying, mom, I got it. And she was like, what? And I was like, HIV, like even to say that just sounds strange to me even now to relive those moments. And she like jumped up off of the side of the bed and she just like, no, 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 no. I just remembered her. No, no, no. And we cried together for three days, like no exaggeration beyond it. three days. And Michelle, I heard you say when you say your spirituality, like my mom's spirituality is what carried me through the beginning days of those di- that diagnosis. She played um, a song, The Battle Is Not Yours by Yolanda Adams. And the words in that song spoke to me so strongly. And she made a statement. I don't know if you remember this, mommy, because I call her mommy, even though I'm 34. Um, but she... <laughs> She says, if I could make a sandwich and bite that sandwich after you and get HIV, then I would. Like, just that testament of love. Like, she wanted to support me that much that she was willing or wanted to fathom a way that she could experience this with me was powerful. And I always tell people that the love and support I received from the number one, my mom, trickling down to my family, like, that empowers me to be able to come out and help other people. I don't feel like I need to be loved or accepted by one other person because I have that here. And I, I can feel so much of that, you know, through all of you as well. Ma, I'm going to ask you if you could, you know, what did you feel? Because that was my perspective when I came back. Well, you know, as you said, you remember you had gone to the doctor. What happened was they had called her back from the clinic and told her that she needed to come in. They, they couldn't tell her over the phone. She needed to come into the office for them to speak with her. So before she left, we were, you know, kind of not sure. And I did tell her, well, maybe it's just, you know, 
gonorrhea or syphilis or something, you know, don't worry, it's not can't be that bad. When she the reason why we were taking a nap, I worked that night, so that's why I was asleep. I was more than napping, I was sleeping. So I worked the night. So when she got back, she woke me up and the look on her face said it all. And I said, Sierra, what what is it? I said, gonorrhea. She said, no. Syphilis, no. She said, I got HIV. And she's right. We cried for three days. But I was but after that I said enough crying. I know what my God has told me. I know the 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 what the word tells me to understand. And we're gonna live by that. And we're gonna stand on that. You understand? And that's what we did. We did. We listened to Yolanda Adams. The battle is not yours because the battle was not ours. And Sierra took that diagnosis and she ran with it. And I was so proud of her. Like, you know, here, this is a child that Sierra, years earlier than that, Sierra went through some issues and she wanted to die. I don't know if you mind me telling that story, Sierra. You know, she didn't want to live. And I was so proud after Sierra was diagnosed with HIV, Sierra more than just wanted to live. She wanted everyone else to live as well because she started giving her testimony about her diagnosis with HIV. And the first, the first speech she gave was at her, she was in college at the time at University of Georgia, and the first speech she gave was at school. I was so proud of that because she stood, you know, she stood with her head up and her shoulders back, and she said, yes, I got this thing, but you need to get tested. You need to get tested, and the first thing she did, she, um, her she she did her um what is it my internship. internship at university i mean AIDS, i did it at aids which is athens georgia and she was her job was to tell people to get tested and or i tested, tested people right that was her fr i could not believe what this diagnosis had done and i know that the Heavenly Father had his hands on that. You understand what I'm saying? He had his hands in that and on that. Well, and I love my daughter so, so much. much for that. You, you understand? I love her so much for that. You know, she, she not only want to live, but she want others to live as well. Yeah. Yes. I love y'all. Okay, so then you... Thank you, Mom. I, I don't know. I, without getting emotional and stuff, I'm going to just keep it business. So we're going on to Lynette and Karen. <laughs> so these dynamics are a little different. So um, Karen didn't birth you. You know, this is someone who whose son chose you. And I'm interested to know how much Karen knew about HIV before you, Lynette, what came into her life and what that has looked like, you know, developing that relationship over the past few years. Well, go ahead, mom. I'll let uh, you share that part. <laughs> well, um, ironically enough, I met Lynette um, prior to Daniel and Lynette being uh, I'm going to say boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, they're, they're married now, but I'm going to say boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, when I met her and got to know her, ironically enough, I asked him, so uh, why aren't you two together? Um, and, you know, uh, a couple of days later or so, he kind of disclosed that um, Lynette was HIV. And I can honestly say, I didn't personally know what that meant or what that would mean, you know, on the grand scale of things, because of course the movies that we saw back then, you know, that was, that was, you know, they weren't good movies. You know, you didn't think anything good or positive was going to come from that particular uh, diagnosis. So 
me being, you know, my father told me years ago, if you want to learn anything, you read a book. And I'm, I'm from prior to computer age, so I started reading. Um, I'm reading because oftentimes your children do things that um, sometimes you have to step in and say, you know, what are you doing? Sometimes you have to, and my son was a grown man, but um, yes, you know, Lynette knows me now. She, she, she likes me for who I am, I guess, you know, because <laughs> she knows I said something to him. So we actually had a, a, a sit down, drag out conversation. However, um, Lynette is like, um, she's identically, she's like me. She, she's so much like me down to like little minute things that is ridiculous. So in the grand scheme of things, my son went and found someone, you know, he, he was so busy getting away from me that he went and found somebody just like me. Um, now, on the other hand, it was hard because I didn't understand how that was going to work. However, like I said, you read a book. And then uh, Lynette and Daniel were involved in a group called the Speakers of Life. And um, they let me, you know, get involved with that. And Lynette, you know, you know, it wasn't just me embracing her. It was her embracing me, which she didn't have to because, you know, people talk about how, you know, mother-in-laws and daughters-in-laws and stuff get along. I don't think we were ever like that. I, I really don't think we were ever like that. I don't think she ever looked at me like that. And I'm darn sure. I mean, if you know Lynette, you love Lynette. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, let's just put that aside. So we never had that typical, oh, I can't stand her. I wish my son, it's never, ever been that. Cause like I said, I asked him, why aren't you two together? You know, what are you messing around with? You know, whatever, you know, why aren't you two together? You know? <laughs> um, so um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I love Lynette and she accepts me. She knows I'm a nut, you know, so, you know, but I didn't, it didn't bother me until she got pregnant. Full disclosure, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was fearful of my grandbaby. So I did the only thing I knew how to do. And this might may be something she knows, but I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And when 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 my baby was born, she let me come up to the hospital. And um, ironically enough, she took a picture of me praying over my baby, which I never even knew she took until she showed me the picture. But if you if you meet Koa, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's my other heart. Okay, so. Um, Koa, Koa is, you know, HIV negative, and he, I mean, they're, they're just adorable people. I just love them, and I, I, I don't want to get the, you know, crying and stuff, but I mean, that's the guy's honest truth. I, I prayed. I prayed a lot. Um, I still pray over my family, and I still pray over my son and, and my, my beautiful daughter. Um, you know, God didn't bless me with a daughter until I had so, you know, I mean, that's how that looks to me. So I hope I wasn't rambling on and I hope you can understand what I'm saying about what, what my fear was. My, my major fear, honestly, was when she got pregnant. And I don't know if I ever said that to you, did I, Lynette? But if I didn't, you know, <laughs> that's it, you know. Uh-oh, my son is saying. I love your transparency. <laughs> your transparency is, is, is welcome here. I'm saying that, you know, we embrace that because there is a reality that some of us do not discuss. We don't talk about it. And I know we are bringing it real here today. Yes. Yes. You know? yeah. I'm not speaking for anybody, but I know this group of women, we're bringing it real today. So go ahead, Cece. <laughs> Absolutely. It's on Lynette. Thank you for that mm -hmm. little break in between, Michelle, because um, I was like... Whew, all right. <laughs> Got it. All right, I'm good. <laughs> um yeah. So <laughs> it's different hearing it like this. So excuse me. And Lynette's not a crier, so let it out and that's the let it out. Don't worry. Me Neither not. am I. Neither <laughs> am I at all. Ever. Ever okay, um, 
let me let me just say so everybody knows that there is nothing in the world I wouldn't do for her because of how genuine and loving and giving. Uh, I, I could give you lists and lists. And sometimes it's not what a person has, but it's how they treat you yes. and how they treat other people that you have to look at more than yes. anything that someone may say about them or someone may accuse them of or whatever. Definitely. Um, and again, like I said, she accepts me. So, you know, we already, we already know she has issues because she accepts me and loves me the way she does. And, and, and if she doesn't, and you know what? I know she does. How's that? So, hey. So, yeah. I'm not going to say anything else because some reason I'm yeah, getting, that's you enough. know, my allergies that's are enough. bothering me. We yeah. needed that laugh. We needed that laugh. We needed that laugh. <laughs> but yes, yeah. um, you know, like I said, it's, it's different hearing it this way. We have, we talk all the time. Like, <laughs> it gets on Daniel's nerves because I'll be on the phone with, with, um, with her for hours and they're like, who are you talking to? Oh, I'm talking to your mom. Like, really? All that time? Did she say hi to me at all? But, <laughs> but um, going back to that that journey in the beginning with HIV. Um, so I didn't tell Daniel. I didn't even tell Daniel initially. So what mom was referring to, I I was diagnosed in 2008 with HIV. I met Daniel in 2008, and. I did not disclose to Daniel until 2012. Our relationship didn't officially didn't didn't begin until 2013. So we had what's that nine, 10, 11, 12. We had five years of friendship prior to our relationship beginning. Um, so I struggled, you know, like most people, struggled with my diagnosis in the beginning, who to tell, how to tell, when to tell, all that kind of stuff. So it took some years for me to even disclose to Daniel, even though. We had grown to best friends and then to brother and sister, which is when we called each other for a little bit, too. Um, so my fear, once I got over, okay, how do I disclose? Once I even became public with my diagnosis, I was still fearful for how people would treat Daniel as a result of him, dis him choosing me. Um, I never wanted anyone to treat him any kind of way. You know, I was afraid for... How's your mom going to feel? Um, you know, everybody knows we have a big blended family. I was concerned about the mothers of the children. I don't want them to try to keep the kids away. Um, you know, just it was just it's just been so many different aspects of it. Um, you know, but that relationship, like like my I call her mom. So, you know, like mom said. It's, she's never treated me any kind of way at all. She's always been by my side. Every event, everything. What, what do you need me to do? Where can I help? Well, she does not like to just stand around and do nothing. She wants to be in it and be involved and do, you know, do and help and serve. And she just has a heart to serve. And that's what's, that's one of the main things that's helped me through, you know, um, through this process. She's been very, very instrumental in this process. You know, even when it came to, like, I was just scared of how family was going to treat Daniel in general. And of course there were questions. Of course there was fear. And even now, even me living with HIV and knowing the things that I know about HIV, if my child told me that they were now pursuing a relationship with someone living with HIV, I would be terrified. Mm -hmm. And I know about HIV. So I can only imagine from that perspective where you don't have that education. So you know, it, but it's, I, I love that she's always open to learn. Um, I love that she's always open to ask questions and she knows that I'm open to answer the questions. So, you know, we can have these authentic conversations and that's where a lot of the stigma is eliminated. You know, these genuine, authentic yeah. conversations with people and, and removing that fear of how do I ask this question? Just go ahead and ask the question however you think however it comes to you. And if I need to correct the language around it, I'll do right. that. But just ask the questions. Thank so, you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I always tend to say about Raven, you know, she knows nothing about being negative. This, you know, this woman was born with HIV. And I always sit back in my mind as her mom and I look at her and I said, my God, 
the courage that she has because from the point of me disclosing Raven and Raven, Raven was the first person in our family unit. I do have a son, a wonderful young man. He's 35. They had different dads. So I contracted HIV through Raven's father. And, you know, to know the dynamics that played out, you know, here I had to raise this kid at one point in time. I had to get Raven to take 36 different pills in one day. This was the dosage of what they were giving children. And it had to be pills because she was not drinking the liquid. I tasted it. It tasted like gasoline. And yes, I could say gasoline as a teenager. You know, I attempted suicide and I drank paint thinners. So I know what that taste is, you know, and, and it's just, it amazes me. It amazes me. And I am really, really, I have to say, I allow Raven to be herself. And I, and I truly believe, you know, that's what, you know, we both, we, we educated our family her as a kid because disclosing to Raven got me to the point where education is what's going to help you through this. I do nothing about living with this, about, you know, raising a child with HIV, you know, still today, myself and my sister, we have these deep conversations. And she would say to me, I don't know how the fuck you did it, <laughs> but you did it. <laughs> so. um, look, I just said, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's about the time to get, um, yeah, it's for you anyway. So with you being diagnosed so young and everything, um, this was a question from one of our CAD members who was born with HIV as well. Um, how does hearing about others losing their parents slash children to the virus impact your perspective? So especially because it was so early on, how how do you navigate that space? With um, well, I did lose a lot of friends. Even recently, I lost a friend. So I, I still, that it tells me that I still have work to do within my community. And a lot of people ask me, you know, Raven, how you got to be so strong and so like, you know, I always say either accept me for who I am or there goes the door. I don't got time for the boo-boo, the either accept me for who I am and there goes the door. But it took a while for me to be like that. And I thank my mom. Like, she's really my backbone. Like, that's really my first lady. That's really my queen. And I really thank her a lot because, as I said, we both educated each other. And and I was a kid growing up. I was always a happy kid. Like, my mom, that she always made sure I was happy. She always treated me like a normal kid. Like, I want to give Raven the, the normal lifestyle. I don't want her to be, and I told my mom, I don't want to be that kid where you know, oh, she's sick. Let's be, let's be her friend. Let's care for her. No, I want to. I'm a regular kid. I could do anything what anybody could do. It's nothing different about me. And that's what I always used to say. I always used to stand my ground with that. Like, there's nothing different about me, man. Like, why, why is people doing, you know, doing this stuff to me? Growing up in my childhood, I got stigmatized a lot. Like, you know, a lot of people made fun of me because, you know, um, I did stuff like on the Seventeen magazine. I was on the Oprah Winfrey show. And, you know, I didn't do this to be like to do the famous is because I wanted people to understand just because you have HIV, cancer, whatever. Don't think that you're less or, or less than somebody. You still can be who you want to be today. If you got one eye, you can still be somebody. You got one leg, you can still be somebody. So I wanted to show people just because I have an illness, mommy, I want people to understand I can still be, I can still run. I can still play Barbies. I can still have, you know, I can still go to Disney World. I can still have friends. And, you know, me being like that, it, it caused me to get stigmatized a lot. You know, I always talk about this one incident, like, you know, when I was in the third grade, I think, I think it was the third, the third grade, I had like really long hair and, you know, my mom used to always do my hair up nice and the girl, she said, you're going to die soon, so let me cut your hair. And she literally cut my hair and I came home and my mom was like, Raven, what did you do? Why did you cut your hair? And I'm like, mommy, I didn't cut my hair. I'm like, the girl told me that I'm going to die, and she cut my hair. So that was like a whole big thing. And then when my mom went to school, when my mom went to, you know, to the school to speak to the school teachers, 
And they was like, well, you know, if you wasn't so public with your daughter, maybe things like this wouldn't happen to her. So I'm like, wow. I, you know, so when I, when I seen that, and then I started feeling bad because it's like, I was like, oh my God, I'm born with this. And remind you, my brother, I have a a brother, he's negative. So he was in school. He was going to school because, you know, y'all not going to sit here and beat up on my sister and be, and, and making fun of her all the time. So it was like a really a hard thing for us to grow up with that. And I was beating up on myself because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm causing problems. But at the end of the day, I want people just to accept me for who I am. Like, I'm just I'm a, a girl that was born with HIV. What's the first word in, in HIV? Human. So I'm human. So what the like, I, I was really confused of growing up, like growing up. But my mother always ensured to me, Raven, you was born with this. You didn't ask for this. You don't know what it feels like to be negative. So it's like, you know what, I when, when she said that, I'm like, you know what, Raven, she's right. You got to show people just because I got this, I can still be who I want to be. And I thank God that, you know, my mom instilled that to me because, look, I'm about to be 32 next month. I got a six-year-old boy. He's negative. Lord, I love motherhood, and I thank God his father is negative. My son, is he's so healthy. He's Oh, he's the best. And uh, do I plan on having more babies? Yes, I do. And it's just like, as I said, education made me get to where I want to be. Like, and, and that's why I said, like, education, therapy, God, and my mom. Those are the people that got me where I want to be in life today. Because at the end of the day, I'll be damned if someone try to stigmatize me today. Or I'll be damned if someone try to get the wrong information about HIV because baby... This is 2022. It's no way. It's no way you don't know about HIV. It's no way. It's no way. Right. No way. Sometimes they know and they just don't want to um, acknowledge it or act like yeah. they know. They don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. But it, I, yeah. I, it's just that I, I try to tell people it's not It's not how it was back in the days where your death sentence, where you got to be like, oh, my God. It, I, right. I want people to accept it as, you know what, okay, so what I got to do to live longer now? Like, all right, I got HIV. It's not, oh, my God, I got to spend time with my family. Then, no, I want people to be like, you know what? Okay, I got HIV. What's the pills? What's the pills that's out? Because, baby, all these pharmaceutical companies, we got HIV. Come on. We got to keep it going. I mean, but not everybody could be like that. But I want people to be strong in that mindset. HIV is not a death sentence no more, people. We can have babies. We could breastfeed. We could do so much things. We almost there. We're almost there, so I want more raising. I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah. so people, you know, making like HIV. Oh my God, I got HIV. No, it's no more sad stories, y'all. I got HIV, and I'm on this pill, and I can have a baby, and I can do whatever. Let's go. That's right. <laughs> and, if, and if nobody can't accept you for who you are, then to hell to be with them. You still living. God got you here for a reason, right? So look That's how many right. years, or the, so you gotta. From now on, it's no more negativity. Like, don't look at it as a negativity. And even if you come from a battered home, even if you come from homelessness, even if you just look at yourself and you look up in the sky and say, God, you know what? I got HIV, but guide me the way of why why you gave this to me. Why did I get it? It doesn't matter if you caught it through sex. It doesn't matter if you caught it through drugs. You always just say, what is my next path of me to live longer? That's it. Period. Oh my god. Okay. Look, this could be like two hours worth of an episode. <laughs> like, this should have been a special edition one. <laughs> we need a part two. And I'm getting my life all the way over here. Thank you so much, Raven. Oh my God. I don't even know which way I want to go. So let me see. The next the next question, because like I said, we get our questions. Um from our community advisory board members who have been so participatory in this and they had so many great things that they wanted to discuss, but y'all answering it all. Let's see. So, mom, I went to XU. I don't know. I'm glad to see that you're back. So I hear how Michelle was able to like encourage Raven. It was like standing true who you are, you know, HIV is a piece of you, da 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 but then when I come out and I want to be public about my status, you know, mommy's fear and her stigma, whatever she may have known about, you know, HIV, that got in the way a little bit. She wanted to know why I needed to tell people. Why was this anybody else's business? 
And I, you know, with this being my biggest support, now I have my biggest support telling me to be quiet to protect. I, I understand it was out of protection. So, mom, how were you able to remove your feelings from the experience and to support me? I guess just, you know, listening to you and, and learning from you and understanding, you know, the whole, you know, the reason why you were the reason, you know what I mean? As you learned, I learned. That was, but yes, you're right. At first I was like, why do you have to tell people? Because I remember a situation where um, something that happened in Milledgeville in Georgia, someone was in her school setting, said something negative about her, you know, and she was really sad about it. And of course, you know, it makes me sad to see my baby sad. And my, the whole answer to that for me was don't tell people then they can't say anything to you you know and she started letting me know you know no mom I have to I can't let those people stop me so I, I understood like I said she learned and I learned and that was that but at first you know I, I, I just was out of protection protection for my child I didn't like to see her hurting uh, you know, she had the diagnosis. That was one thing. But for somebody to say something out of the way to, to, to hurt her, be it HIV, be it whatever hang up she had, I did, I you know, I, I fought for that. Don't say nothing to hurt my child, not my baby. Right. Yeah. And Carol, if oh. I may, I got to say this to you. She's mm -hmm. not the virus. She has and she's living with HIV. Yes. Right. Not HIV. So a lot of times when I hear it, you know, you're saying these things in love, but I gotta address it. Because people is part of the stigma that's driving, yeah. you know, it's driving this. You know, when they say, Oh, there she is, you know, she, you know, she's HIV. No, honey, I'm living with a virus called HIV and it's very much under control. Right. right. That, you know, I always this is how that. I take it. So, yes. right. I love your love. Go ahead, Ma. I always <laughs> tell people that too. HIV don't control me. Mm -mm. Right. I'm out. I'm a. I'm out. I'm out. Do HIV. That's what I tell people. I'll be telling all my friends. I have positive friends. Listen, you put it in your mindset. You are gonna outdo HIV. Okay. Period. That's it. Like, it's, it's, mm -mm. Ain't and no I tell people. Mm -hmm. As well, it just kind of like changed the way I had to move a little bit. Like, you yeah. know, be, being diagnosed so young, like I'm, I still was able to do all of the things I wanted to do. Right. My first question was, could I have kids? I love that, you know, we've all three been able to have kids, all four of us, excuse me, been able to have children while living with HIV because it can definitely happen. I love that you shouted out. Do y'all still get questions like how it happened? Like, and how I you get pregnant? Yeah, I hate you know, that. Like, how did you get pregnant? Uh, exactly. I'm like, so, same I, way. I'm like, so how do little babies come from? Like, I get that same question all the time. Or they ask my mother whisperly, and my mother be like, "My child is 31 years old. Y'all better ask her Because <laughs> I, I, I'm like, excuse me, people. Yes, I have sex, and my mother and I talk. I said, I'm not no little kid. Like. Y'all could ask me in front of my mother. <laughs> I don't I do that. Sex, I don't do that stuff. Mom. Sex, 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 penis, penis. Like my mother knows. Like, I don't understand the people. I'm like, how y'all see babies? No, I did not get no turkey based stuff. And then the people I Y'all like to feel pleasure. I like to feel pleasure too. I'm human. That's a whole okay. topic on its own. HIV yeah. and sexual pleasure. Like, exactly. look, y'all, y'all, we could do this. All day. I'm here like the, the theme of protection. I've heard it through all three, you know, pairings. Um, whether that was Karen's protection of her son or grandchild, mommy's protection of me. I wanna go in. Mommy's so protective that I used to have to wear a bang my entire childhood to cover my forehead because she did not like you see, I've grown out of that at this point now. I, I I've accepted all things about me, but just that protection, you know, and how overbearing it can be sometimes. Like I feel like children can be so resilient at the same time, they can be so mean. But a lot of times we project our 
insecurities or misinformation mm-hmm. onto them. And yeah. I'm so grateful that yeah. you got three strong, you know, women on here. Michelle, you in there too, because you like you birthed it and you <laughs> were able to continue. Like no, that had I can only imagine that situation. It's fear. Um, fear got me to come out. Fear got me, you know, because I was like, Jesus God, this is shit is real. I got it. Raven got it. I had to start with my family because I used to hear comments from family members yes. about people with living with HIV. You know, I remember my family, you know, being so taboo. So we had to carry begins at home and it ends abroad. So I had to start at home first. You know, and again, coming from a Caribbean family, you know, oh my goodness. Still to this day, still to this day, it got the, the naysayers. But honey, yes. they can't stand it. They cannot yes. stand how Raven and me is living our best lives. Living <laughs> HIV. Oh. Right. I even, I, I, you know, I talk about this one incident too, that um, I was in a, a six-year off-and-on relationship. And he, the reason why we're, we're not together now is because he had disclosed to his family and told his family that I was HIV positive. And when he told his family that, do you know that they bought new furniture new utensils they bought everything new and i said you know what since because they they, they're jamaican they was jamaican and chinese they was like the upper class upper class so i looked at him because every time he like his mom would have called he was like mom i'm with my friend right now so i'm like you're not with no excuse my language you're not with no fucking friend like you're not gonna sit here and try to shame me because i as i said either you're gonna accept me for who i am or there goes the door so every time, like, you know, his mom would call or every time he, like, he was around me, he would get so nervous. So I said, you know what, sweetheart? So since it's so wrecking for you, I said, you should never have told your parents or whatever. If you knew how your parents was, this is your mistake. This is your miss out. Peace out. Figure your life out. And I'm going to live mine. And while we broke up, God blessed me. And I got pregnant the, the year after. Right after we broke up, because yeah. when, when we were in a relationship, he used to say, "Oh, something is wrong with you. You're not getting pregnant. Maybe because you HIV positive." He used to he used to say little things to me like that, and I used to say, "Um, you know, I used to, let me not say his name. I used to say, you know, that's not true." But after a while, I did try to. I, after a while, I started contradicting. Like, is it is true? Maybe I can't mm-hmm. have no kids. I'm like, damn. I'm like, because we wasn't using protection, and. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not have, I can't get pregnant. Like, what's going yeah. on? But and, you see, but but you see how God protects us yes. through stuff like that. So like, yeah. even yes. when I think about, even when I think about the relationship that I was in when I contracted HIV, right? We had unprotected, unprotected mm-hmm. sex the entire time, and I never got pregnant. So yes. I was just so grateful for you know for that right. not to happen. You know, um, because God only knows what would have happen later on you know but he he knows our path he knows exactly what it is that we're supposed to do he knew that i was you know supposed to end up with daniel i was supposed to have a mother-in-law who's as kind and as caring as caring you know because i don't know how life would have been in that situation so you know daniel uh was the one who pushed me to speak, who pushed me to write my book, who pushed me to start my nonprofit and do all of those things. Because prior to that, it was like, I couldn't be myself in a relationship, you know, out of fear of, it was situations where, it it was two different situations that I could definitely highlight. So one situation I was in a relate, well, I call them situationships. I was in a situationship where um, he's like, okay, yeah, we can be together, but I know you want to do this whole public HIV thing. So go ahead and do that. So don't tell anybody that we're together. We cool though, but don't tell nobody that we're together. So then I had another experience where it was like, sure, you could tell everybody that we're together. We could take all the pictures, post them on the gram, so on and so forth. But don't talk about HIV. I don't want you to do any speaking engagements, no, none of that stuff. So I'm so blessed and so glad to now be in a relationship where I can Amen. Be myself I'm sure if you follow me on social media, y'all can see I post pictures all the time. Me and Daniel, you know, Daniel's like, he, he's right there. If he's not right there Hello. beside me while I'm speaking, he's there right in the front taking pictures, you know, and things like that. So it's like, you have to find that person. Um, first of all, before you find that person, you have to 
find that space within yourself and find that love within yourself That's for right. yourself. You yes. know, because I would have never been able to find a partnership to find a person who loved me if I didn't first love myself. Yes. So I had to get to that place where I love myself and all of me because like you guys said, HIV doesn't, that doesn't define me, but it is a mm -hmm. part of me. Exactly. So I had to learn how to love that part of me too. So I, once I, be, once I learned how to love that part of me and all parts of me, I was able to find someone who loved all parts of me as well. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's also important. You know, you got to love yourself in every aspect of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a key point in life. Love yourself before you can love anybody. Yeah. That's a key point in life. Period. So, you know, I go back to my little bang example. Once I like, I'm going to accept the ways that I was created. Some things you have control over, some things you don't have control over. And I realized it was going to be a little harder to try to navigate through in silence. That would make me miserable. I'm an open book. Like, I really like to help people. I really like to use my experiences to help other people, you know, not have to make those same decisions if they don't want to and acceptance acceptance of all things that comes with cc and definitely has led me to you know wonderful people women like you all this has been a phenomenal talk i think raven we could listen to you talk all day karen and lynette i love y'all's dynamics and i stay on the phone with my mom all day anyways so i just i just love you know the love that i've been I able propose, to i want to propose to have a chat at some time with some of our yes. uh, some of some of the, the the baby fathers you know the ones you know who are negative because people really really do not get it when a man yeah. or a woman, you know, I'm in a same gender loving relationship. I'm a bisexual woman. My partner is a woman and I love her to the moon and back. She's a piece of work, but I, I can work it out. You know, but when a negative person makes a decision, okay, and they decide, trust me, it's because they have looked at, you know, what am I going to have to deal with? Yes. Who is going to want to stigmatize me too? And for me, these different things are so powerful. Mm -hmm. When a negative person makes that decision to be with you because they're not just seeing HIV, you know? With Raven's baby's father, I was kind of, I'm being honest, I was kind of scared when she, you know, disclosed to me because, yes, Raven loved, Raven loved the bad boys. And this was a wrecked <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I remember talking to the man about prep. I said, I know you know that Raven is positive, you know, but you know, there is a prevention that you can take just in case there's any accidents. He said, Mommy, it have no accidents. <laughs> we having a baby. And me want my baby and me love Raven. I mean, the man. Wait, this is a Jamaican or a Trini? Jamaican. A, I heard the accent switch. My dad's Jamaican. He's <laughs> Jamaican. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Full rank Jamaican. And they are the most taboo. They are the most discriminatory people within the Caribbean mm -hmm. cultures, I believe. Yes, and to yeah. know how he dealt with this. Oh, my God. He cried when Raven broke up with him. He oh. cried. He said, Mommy, why'd she leave me? I've like my you deal with that. I don't got time for that. Like you deal with the you deal with the breakup. I, I'm done. You deal with the breakup. And you she did. like that, that's just how my daughter is. Yes. You know, and he had to deal with his family, you know. So I really want to propose. I don't know, you know, if we can make Let's it have another talk. But for people who are in discordant relationship, I'm telling yeah. you. I, I give my hats off to them. Yeah. I really do. Because there is a lot that they have to deal with too. Yeah. Absolutely. And we touched on that a little bit because I do recognize, we recognize the importance of those serial discordant relationships. We did that a couple um, lives ago where the, Lynette and Daniel actually sat down and spoke um, about their oh, their marriage yeah. and what how that evolved into what it is. Beautiful. I need to remind everyone, please, this survey um, link is inside of the chat. If you could just take a moment, complete that. Um, we would so greatly appreciate it. 
I thank you all so much for joining me on this episode. We've reached our hour, even thank though you. to me, it don't feel like we made it. Um, it hasn't seemed yeah. this much. I, I would love to have like a God bless you all. God bless you. And I thank you, you too. all in, in our circle. You know, Lynette, girl. Thank you, Cece. You're so welcome. Lynette, I'm about to add you on Facebook. You know, that's what I'm saying. We have chasing lemons and we have made some great lemonade. Yes. Yeah. You know what? It feel like I should smell coconut oil or something. Like, y'all just giving me real vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us for the 19th episode of the Well Projects, A Girl Like Me Live. Please join us again next month for our next episode. Stay tuned to for exactly what that is and who we will be inviting on the day. I thank you all so much. Once again. I love, I was looking at some of your, um, your, your, your clips with what you're doing. Old girls, do it, do it, do it. Like that, easy, guys.